is your board adapting to a dynamically changing risk environment? Recent research revealed that 87% of board members believe that market disruptions are becoming increasingly frequent and 83% say they are becoming increasingly impactful. At the same time, 79% of the board members believe that risk management will be critical in enabling their organizations to protect and create value in the next five years. What does this mean for boards? How can they prepare? And where can they draw support from within their organization? I'm delighted to talk with David Sami, partner at EY Hong Kong, and the lead on the joint project to produce the report, Roles of Governance Professionals in Today's Post-Pandemic and Dynamically Changing Risk Environment. Joining him is Sarah Kasim, CEO of CSIA. Welcome to the Better Bots podcast series. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of Better Boards. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at Better Boards is to contribute to creating better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. We have created an innovative board evaluation platform clients can use as part of their fully facilitated external or also for their internal board evaluation. And we also provide access to professional service organizations. To fulfill our mission, we give a voice to all who care about creating better boards. Zara and uh, David, thank you so much for contributing to the Better Bots podcast series. Thank you, Sabine, for having us. It's, it's really a pleasure to be here and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, and, and very mm-hmm. happy to do so as well, Sabine. Great to be working with you and Zara again. Fantastic. Let's jump straight in. You know, from what we are seeing, boards are incredibly busy still to deal with the impact, depending where you are in the world, the aftermath of the pandemic, supply chain disruption, changing prices, particularly for energy. I have seen as a response to this that operational issues have taken up more and more space on the agenda of boards and time to look at and discuss future risks has been tight. What are in your experience the reasons for the lack of attention on future risks? Clearly, boards are aware that the risks are real and the risks are becoming more severe. This is definitely the case, Sabine. Um, And one of the reasons, I think our main reasons, is a lack of focus of the board on risk oversight. And there's a number of reasons that could contribute to this. In a lot of organizations, risk is driven and managed in very functional silos. So each department is responsible for the risk that pertains to that particular department. There is a lack of a structured approach where they can collect and analyze this risk information. And in many organizations also, a factor is underutilization of technology and the right tools to analyze the risks across the business. And then one of the other factors, I think, is where the sharing and communication of risk information is not effective. And in some cases, very much non-existent. And this is from poor communication of risk by the business units to senior management, and then from senior management up to the board level. So very often the boards are not even aware of the risks that are existing or impending. And I think another factor that is really important is when the risk management is not integrated into the strategic planning and when decisions are being made. If the risks are not factored in, then your whole strategic plan is really at risk in a sense if anything happens in terms of disruptions. And I think also a lack of accountability 
there's still very much a, a blurring of lines between responsibility, who's ultimately responsible for to take accountability for risk management. So a survey that was done in Hong Kong showed that only 42% of companies have clear uh, responsibility lines for managing risk and for risk oversight. And it seems like that shouldn't be the case because the board ultimately is responsible. But there still seems to be some confusion around this. And I think there's also the fact that many board members come from an era where there's a focus on profits. And as you've mentioned, with all the disruptions that happened with ESG coming in, technology governance, a lot of regulatory changes, um, there's just not enough knowledge and experience at the board level. So when it comes to all these market disruptions as well, and the, the board members might be focusing more on crisis management. So as you mentioned, there's often not enough time on the agenda to actually deal with what might happen in the future. Yeah, let's come back to the solution in a bit, because I mean, lots of questions are already running through my head. I mean, it's, it's so, so difficult at the moment, isn't it? There are these pressing operational issues, and clearly there are the risks, clearly probably also below the board. As you mentioned, Sarah, the structures are not in place. Mm-hmm. So something appears to need to be changed to structures and processes inside of organizations in terms of realizing that there are risks and making sure that there is a really effective communication flow throughout the organization. No, absolutely. And I, I don't think that a lot of organizations have, have maybe evolved in terms of putting those processes and tools in place. A lot of organizations are still using very traditional risk reporting tools like tables and charts and haven't really looked at employing technology. So I think that is quite an important factor as well. So what are really the real risks involved in organizations not paying sufficient attention to these long-term risks, like, for example, ESG performance, just to name one of many? Yeah, maybe I can take that. And and I just want to add, you know, I I think it's a lead off to the conversation that we had earlier that Zara shared. One of the things that you will find is there's quite a bit of, you know, risk fatigue that you hear. From my perspective is there's a maturity around understanding risk, but at the same time, it's driving, you know, what we call risk fatigue. And it's really showing up in a lot of organizations that we work with. Now, you know, back to your question around, you know, what are the risks involved? I think the risks are very clear. If where the board is inexperienced and there's no guidance or steward around, you know, what to focus on, they are going to lose focus on risk that matter. And for that in turn, not being able to give the long-term risk the attention that it deserves. Now, in this situation, and especially when designing mitigation of those risks, the board's therefore would not be channeling the right level of resources and effort to address those risks. Now, Sabine, you brought out ESG, and this is a very good example or recent example of emerging risk. I think everybody's warming up to it. But in addition to ESG, what the bots need to do is to prepare for a greater range of disruption and risk. For example, cybersecurity, talent, geopolitical yeah. That yeah. are growing in frequency and severity, and with that helps the board balance its attention accordingly. Now, the other concern that I see is that you know the once the risk priorities are set, and if unfortunately not on the right risk, 
that's going to create you know additional issues on effort and resource being plowed into managing and mitigating those risks. And once the organization starts and continue down a mitigation path that does not drive the most value to them, changing direction often than not will take time to implement. So I mean, it is very clear that the stakes are incredibly high for any organization. And at the same time, the confidence. I mean, I read your report in organization capabilities to manage these increasingly impactful market disruptions is being severely questioned. Do you have any insights why the confidence in managing these impactful market disruptions is so low? And and maybe David, can you share actually how low it is? Yeah, sure. Let me put this in a bit of a context, and I would use cybersecurity risk as an example. So in 2020, we did a survey of the board's word of confidence in their organization's ability to counter cybersecurity threats, and that is at about a 20% level. And in 2021, we did the same uh, survey, and this confidence level has dropped to just over 9%, clear alarming decline. And what we observe is this has a lot to do with how risk and risk management programs are being run today. You know, we see a lot of digital modernization having accelerated within most organizations during the recent past, risk management programs actually have not really caught up and has remained a very highly static process. And most of these programs that we observe are still primarily driven by disclosure requirements in the jurisdictions where they operate. So usually risk management profiles or the dashboards that Zara was alluding to are being presented to the board on an annual basis. And obviously this is not ideal And what this creates is a situation where, one, risk continue to be managed in silos, as referenced by Zara earlier, across many different parties within the organization. And often their efforts, what we see is duplicative. And the second thing is, it's also limiting the focus on technology governance. And unfortunately, the ability to harness the use of data that now becomes more and more available as a result of the ongoing digitization initiatives that you know most companies are mm. you know on a path on so the picture is quite dramatic we have a it lot is. of company secretaries listening to this and governance professionals from around the world what can they do to increase the level of confidence because i mean this is just shocking yeah 20% is shocking 9% is it's just i'm speechless yeah So what can governance professionals do to increase the level of confidence in the ability of an organization to really deal with risks and these market disruptions? Yeah, those statistics are really quite alarming. But I think the first thing is David mentioned also that risks are managed in silos. And so very often this is not communicated to the board. So I think one of the critical tasks that the corporate secretary will do is to consolidate this information to ensure that the, the board is fully aware of all the risks. And remember that the board needs to consider all these risks when they're making decisions. But yeah. they also need to ensure that they integrate this into the strategy. And I think this is very often where, where it all comes apart. In the survey that the Hong Kong Institute for Chartered Secretaries um, conducted in Hong Kong, as many of 85% of respondents considered ESG-related risks in the long-term strategies, just as an example. And that is in line with the trend that ESG is now a major focus for regulators. But despite that, only 37% had actually integrated that into the ERM system, partially, and 18% had only fully integrated that. 
So there's still not con uh, sufficient consideration given to the risks during that risk management process. And I think a lot of the reasons is that it's really an area that's very complex um, and very new to organizations. But that also leads me to the, the second point, which is it's really important for the corporate sector to ensure that there is an effective enterprise risk management system in place and that it is implemented across the organization in order to integrate all that risk information. So the corporate secretary can then identify what the critical risks are that needs to be brought to the attention of the board. And in addition to that, it must then be aligned with the strategy and also comply with regulatory requirements. So that's quite an important role that the corporate secretary will play there. So in addition to that, the board members need to respond to the risk, which means they need to understand the legislative, regulatory, the policy implications of the decisions that they are about to make. And again, it is the role of the corporate secretary to educate and update the board on all of those um, developments. But I think also important, Sabine, when we're talking about future risks, is that need to be proactive. And the corporate secretary's role is very much anticipating the scenarios that could impact on the operations of the organization and also on how the, the strategy is going to be executed and to put in place processes for regular risk assessments. And I think this is something that from some of the surveys uh, and research that I've read, where almost 80% of respondents did feel that there's adequate attention being given and action taken on risks. But in 14% of the case of respondents, they didn't even have a risk profile. So they couldn't even identify what the critical risks are. And 38% only refreshed their profile annually or did risk assessments annually. So the frequency also makes quite a big difference. And that's where the corporate secretary can ensure that they are ready to actually deal with those emerging risks. And I think David has mentioned technology. That is also a very important area for the corporate secretary to ensure that the board is educated on how that can be used to facilitate better decision making. Okay, I mean, I love it. We painted quite a gloomy picture at the start, but we are now slowly moving into solution mode. As you know, our listeners always love practical tips and insights. Very short and crisp, David, maybe. What do boards and governance professions that support them need to proactively identify and mitigate? How can they do this, really? There's always a solution for every situation. I guess, you know, I'll offer two tips. First is start by driving awareness at the board level. And I think the best way to do this is really to consolidate and identify a risk steward, you know, to do this, right? So a role that the governance professional or the company secretary is uniquely positioned to play. Now, the traits that we are looking for in this role is to have the ability to break down silos within an organization, knowledgeable about the cultural risk appetite within the, mm. the organization, and also able to motivate leaders within the organization itself in adopting a common definition of, for risk. Now, the second tip is really to unlock the value of ongoing digital transformation by tapping into what I call GRC technology platforms. So GRC stands for Governance, Risk, and Compliance, by the way, to create a single view of risk across all functions, leverage available data sources to simplify the process while enabling a common risk ecosystem and shared focus across the company. No, fantastic. 
Let's move to the governance professionals. What can they do to equip the board actually to deepen their understanding of long-term risks, like fast evolving ESG concerns? And, you know, for our listeners, before we press the record button, we just talked around what we see in our respective countries. I'm sitting in London. David is sitting in Hong Kong. Sarah is sitting in South Africa. And it's amazing how we all feel that something is changing so what is it that governance professionals can do to equip the board to deepen their understanding? David talked about the common understanding that the board needs to have. And that's one of the critical areas that corporate secretary needs to address. Because ESG, it's such a complex issue and it encompasses many other issues within each category. So it really depends on the jurisdiction, the companies operating in the industry, how advanced it is, the size of the organization. So it's important that the board and the management has a very common understanding of what the impact of that will be and also the relevance of those ESG-related issues will be to their particular business because it is such a broad issue. So it's setting the tone at the top, getting the buy-in from the board. And secondly, I think the corporate secretary can start by looking at what are the national policies that would be relevant to the organization to provide that kind of guidance. Because in a lot of countries, for example, in Nigeria, guidelines and policies have been issued by the regulators. And that would also be true for many other countries. And you'd have your regulators in your different industries, so they can choose the specific guidance that would apply to them and educate the board on that. It's the same with members who lack the expertise and the experience in these matters. And so being one way in which the, the corporate secretary can actually train members is set up committees on ESG matters and then partner members with those executives who are leading those initiatives. That's one way for them to deepen that understanding. And they also need to ensure that the board regularly engages with key stakeholders in a dialogue so that they can understand what their interests are and ensure that that's accounted for when they make their business decisions. Okay, fantastic. So, David, what should boards do really now? to prepare and future-proof their organization. What does it mean also for agenda setting? We talked at the beginning, look, the agendas are full as they are. How much time should they really allocate to discuss future risks? Yes, I mean, it's actually, there's probably no right and wrong. And it's, it's probably very challenging to put your finger down to say, you know, you need to spend this amount of time in discussing future risk. But one thing we know is from recent research is, that 59% of boards say that allotting more time for open discussion over emerging trends and potential disruptions would improve risk oversight. And I think that's critically important. So boards want to spend more time on transformational related discussions, on managing emerging risk, and on scenario planning. But in reality, like you said, agendas full, they find that the areas that they expended most time on now are in financial reporting and traditional risk and compliance matters. Equally important, but these can be delegated to some extent, right? So the boards are therefore increasingly looking towards governance professionals or company secretary to advise them on potential compliance failures, for example, as well as on how to respond and to mitigate such concerns. Now, if this arrangement is executed well, I think to increase the board's dependency on the governance professionals or company secretary will allow the board to instead allocate more time and attention towards discussions that improve risk oversight. 
sadly, we have to come an end of our discussion. What are the three things our listeners should take away from this podcast? Maybe I'll start. Governance professionals, you are a strategic trusted advisor to the board and you have a role uniquely positioned to support the board in its quest to align strategy to ever-changing regulatory landscape, technological advances, and ESG, as we've talked about a lot. So there is an expectation for the governance professionals to help the organization contribute to an effective system for identifying risk and opportunities, as well as to manage risk and explore those opportunities. I'll pass it on to Zara. Yeah, David, you mentioned the the role of the corporate secretary, and I think they are being increasingly approached by businesses to facilitate enterprise risk management. And it is on the basis of the understanding of business concerns, the different departments, how they operate, the culture of the organization, and just their ability to be that bridge between the board and the management and bringing all the different businesses units together that provides a really valuable contribution to risk assessment. So I think this expansion in their governance leadership means that they need to be very proactive to respond to changes and emerging risks and to ensure that the organization they say will stay relevant and successful. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much, Sarah and David, for contributing to the Better Bots podcast series. It's been a pleasure, Sabine. Thank you. It's been a pleasure as well. Thank you, Sabine. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, David. How can we help you and your board? We at Better Boards are always delighted to hear from you. You can best reach us at info at better-boards.com. As always, thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.